Hey, hi, Julia. Hi, Kelly. This is the first episode of Ooh Butterfly. Ooh Butterfly. Yay. A podcast where we talk about the shit we want to talk about. <laughs> Pretty much. A, a podcast for long distance friends who are not good at staying on topic at all. Holy crap, that was way more coherent than me. A plus. We're so good at this already. Mm -hmm. Okay, so for our first section, we are doing a geeking out about. And this is where we kind of talk about something that we're either into or we're not into and why. And this week, not to start a podcast off with a podcast, I really wanted to talk about the Adventure Zone podcast because it just wrapped up its first arc. It's called Balance. It is a D&D role-playing podcast where it's three brothers and their dad. And that's all I really want to tell you about it in terms of like, you know, the podcast itself, because mm -hmm. first of all, if anybody is listening to this and you like D&D stuff, get the fuck into it because it's awesome. But <laughs> I want to tell you kind of why it's awesome, but minus spoilers. No so, spoilers. Yeah, because that's just rude. And literally they just finished. And it's one of those few, it's one of the few things for me that has like grabbed me and held me so incredibly hard, which is kind of my first point about it, which is I fucking love things that you can feel emotionally invested in. Like, I hate when people are like, oh, do you really like Star Wars? Do you have lots of opinions about Star Trek or anything kind of rude like that? Because I'm like, yeah, fuck you, I do. Like, <laughs> it's great to be able to have a piece of media that you enjoy so much that you feel incredibly strongly about it, that it can have, make you have like great emotions, like sadness or great happiness or whatever, when you're just kind of consuming it. Because for me, those are the things that like, not to be too grandiose about it, but it makes you remember you're human. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, hello, that's kind of the point of fiction. Yeah. It's, it's still elicit these emotions and this feeling of recognition that you, you see yourself in the thing that you're reading or listening to or watching and you feel less alone. I think that's part of the point of consuming it. And it's not incidental, right, that they say that reading novels increases our sense of empathy. Yeah. So it's all about the feelings. Yeah. It's all about the feels. And I, it just makes me think of like when people are, and this is again, maybe going a little bit down a dark path, but I'll come back, I promise. But it makes me you. think about when people are in a depression or they're not happy with something or when you feel overwhelmed and the thought is that you can't enjoy things. So for me, that thought of finding a piece of media, a book, a TV show, a game, a podcast, like that you really love and can feel strongly about that can awaken those emotions. It's like, it's so fucking rewarding to me and it's so important. And like this podcast in particular has given me like such strong feelings that I haven't felt since like, and I'm gonna be really crazy, since I was 12. Like, <laughs> What happened when we were 12? So when we were 12, I read the actual Ella Enchanted book, which is like the prime Aww. time to read that book. And fuck that movie. Fuck, fuck that, movie, that movie straight so the fuck hard. up. It's awful and it's not even close to the book. And I mean like, look, all the actors in it were great, but they made it into not what it was. And what it is, is this incredible like story of empowerment and risk and risk taking and reward. And there's this bit at the end of Ella Enchanted, which uh, I guess read the book if you don't want spoilers, but heads up, I'm gonna spoil it now. So the main character is just like this teenage girl and she's got a fucking geese on her and they claim it like, oh, it's a magical fairy gift. No, it's a geese. Like she has to do what people tell her to do and it becomes like, 
a super inconvenience for her life and she breaks it for love like out of pure internal strength and it's really difficult and it's written in this way that's just so great and visceral and I read it when I was 12 in my room under a single lamp when everybody thought I was asleep and I was just like sobbing because I'm like oh god she's gotta make it it's so important I mean I love that book you know that yes <laughs> This will be a recurring theme, no doubt. And that movie is fucking trash. It's so garbage! Anyway. I mean, I'm not going to say fight me about a lot of things, but you can fight me about that. It's fine. <laughs> and people should know, you're a pacifist. So if you say fight me, it's actually a really big deal. If I say fight me, it's Tuesday. Like... <laughs> <laughs> Accurate. Yeah. Not, I'm not going to fight you lightly, but gosh, yeah. No, that, that book is incredible. And I think it's so important to so many people. So then to have it ruined is obviously devastating. Mm -hmm. But on the other hand, with things like that, it's also like, well, you know, we still have the book. You can't yeah. actually ruin that for us. Oh. So not going to not gonna go too far the other way. But if you've seen the movie and you haven't read the book, I, please read the book. It's so much better. <laughs> so, so much better. You'll, you'll be a happier, healthier person with it. I promise. Hell yeah. Hell Guaranteed. Yeah. But so back to Taz and it's, I'm sorry, the shortened form of the adventure zone along the internet is Taz. Don't search the tags. There's a lot of shit to spoil for yourself. But that's one of the big things I love about it is that it just raises connection in me because I cry at movies and at books and shit all the time. That's fine. Like I'm a crier. I'm an emotional person, but this is like literally feeling like one of those things that kind of inform how you move forward. And I love that people can make things like that for each other. It's one of my absolute favorite things. The for each other is important. Yeah, and like, the, it's clear when you, and this actually streamlines really well into like my next point, which is like kind of what informed our podcast to begin with was one of the things I like about it is that there's a level of them paying attention to how do you make a D&D &D game work as a story for somebody listening, which is oof, A plus, because if you've ever played D&D, &D, it is a lot of going, can I do that? And then page flipping, and dice rolling and rules checking and <laughs> it takes so long it's a thousand percent worth it as a process but as like a listener it could be difficult and they like think about what it means to a listener and like steadily throughout this particular arc the production value has increased in a way that is just like Mwah. like you can't see me i just did like that chef kiss where you like pull your fingers together and you're like Mwah. i bought the music for this podcast Aww. Yeah, that's how Aww. deep I'm in. <laughs> also, I cosplayed it, but whatevs. We'll, we'll talk about that afterwards. I saw the pictures. They were real. It was so It happened, fun. you guys. She's not kidding. So fun. <laughs> anyway. I'm glad you had a good time. <laughs> but the other thing that they do, though, is that because it's a family doing this, they're actually having a lot of fun as a family. So, like, they get emotional at points. They talk to each other about things that are important to each other. The way they're building the story is in a way that like clearly everybody is concerned about everybody at the table having fun as well as other people listening to it having fun. And that's kind of what another big thing for me is like, I know when we talked about making this podcast, it was like, yo, we have a lot of fun talking to each other about stuff. And I think we could kind of share that and there might be someone else who might have fun listening to us. And like, I love that that's so much a more modern piece of storytelling. Like there was a tweet of some fucking old school filmmaker that's just ugh, garbage. I don't know who it was and I'm not gonna look it up because fuck it. <laughs> they said some kind of quote where it was like, filmmaking is like love making. If you happen to please someone in the process, that's good. And I was like, Ugh! oh, 
barf. Garbage. <laughs> just barf. I mean, this this distance that we have to have between each other when we talk about the arts is just pretentious, gross, and actually and not realistic if you think about it. Like, what what did we start out with storytelling, but like sitting around a campfire and telling each other things? Right? Yeah. At just you know as a species. So yeah, fuck that. And it's. It's powerful when you think about the people viewing the thing that you make or you think about the people that you're making the fucking thing with. Well, you know? that, that's, that's kind of the point. I mean, I think, okay, so it's fair to acknowledge here, right, that we are both creative types. Oh, is that hell fair yeah. to say? Yes. So this is something that matters to us personally, professionally, both as audiences and as people who make things for audiences that... Mm-hmm. I think we can both speak to the fact that if it's just you putting the thing out to the world and you get nothing back, then that is so empty yeah, and so sad. Yeah. And even if it's just your friend being like, oh, I've, I've read that story that you published in such and such and I really liked it. Like, that's good enough for me. But like, without that, then like, what are we doing really? Except, mm-hmm. you know, like just jacking off, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> and like, as much fun as that might sound, like when you're doing a creative endeavor, it's it's not at the end of the day. <laughs> No, like it's no. kind of the opposite where you're like I'm messy and cold and I don't like any of this. I hate all of this. this is, why did I do this to my to myself? It mm-hmm. d- doesn't serve any purpose. And I think okay, so it's fair to say that there is something to be said for the fact that you probably shouldn't overfocus on an audience when you're trying to make something. Obviously, that can be crippling in its own right. If you're just sitting there worrying like, is anyone gonna like this? No, they're all gonna hate it. I mm-hmm. should just quit. This is terrible. Mm-hmm. But if, if part of it is to focus on even just a couple people or one person and to think you know I think Kelly would really like this so I'm gonna write it even if no one else gives a shit so I can at least like try to make something that Kelly likes Mm -hmm. yeah and I I think there's some power in that too and especially like it's a very modern media thing I think too to do it that way where you're now Mm. like oh I have a blog that has four people that follows it and that's enough you know, or I'm, it makes me think of fanfic writers, which, yo, who's the real MVP? It's you guys. <laughs> like, <laughs> which I'm yes. sure we'll cover in another episode. Oh, we're going to talk so much about Ooh, fandom. Y'all, we have like, so many feelings about it. We have many, many, fa- not all of them will be popular. I'm going to warn you nope. now. But also, some of them will be things that I think need to be said. And one of those for me is fanfic writers. Hey, hey, you're great. Like <laughs> You are, well, I... There was that that somewhat viral Tumblr post that went around not very long ago. It's like, you meet someone on the internet, and you really like that person. Nay, you love them. You love them so much that you want to make something for them. So you write them some porn. Mm Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yep. And to me, that's the essence of fandom in a lot of ways, is just (laughs) to be like, I'm going to make you this thing that I know that you will appreciate, Mm -hmm. and I don't care if anybody else thinks it's weird. I'm going to do it because you're great. Yeah. And then also there's the like the wider version of that when someone you don't know discovers that thing and goes, this is also for me. Like, I love this. this is perfect. Like who hasn't found that thing? And it doesn't have to be fandom, right? Like no. it can be any creative thing that you come across. But who hasn't like picked up a book or listened to a song or just found mm-hmm. something and just been like, this was for me. Yeah. No, they didn't know it was for me when they made it. But this is for me. Like this is mm-hmm. perfect for me. And I love that in this day and age not to sound like an ancient which we'll get there too shortly in fact yeah (laughs) i love that the internet didn't make my wow that was a bad laugh um (laughs) (laughs) i'm gonna leave it in fucking composure god damn it all right i love (laughs) that the internet has democratized this 
happening a little bit or at least made it quicker. Like you think about fandom in terms of people sending each other their Star Trek or Star Wars zines or, you know, mailing things back and forth. And now that process can be so instant, which like I think some people see as a negative and I see as such a fucking positive that you can like find your creative family, find your audience, find that one person who just like when it's you alone in a room going this and someone far off is just going, like <laughs> no, I, I, that's the the point in a lot of ways right and, mm-hmm. and as said not just fandom kind of everything like so many literary magazines um so many you know genre magazines everything is online now yeah so that feedback is it's fast if not immediate mm-hmm. and yeah. and I mean, that can be devastating, too, because you might get an immediate, like, nobody likes this. Which is, oof, man, I feel bad if it's undeserved. Right. But then a a lot of the times you also get someone you don't know just popping out and being like, this meant so much to me, or Mm -hmm. I really responded to this, or, you know, I I could really identify uh, with this character, with this idea, what have you. So it's that immediacy that kind of... It's criticized as instant gratification, but that immediacy is, can be a really, you know, powerful, helpful thing to, like, have that encouragement quickly is good because doubt creeps in just so fast. Exactly. Um, doubt is way faster than the internet, so the internet's always playing catch-up anyway. <laughs> this is true. I mean, Twitter might move faster than seismic waves, but doubt moves a lot faster than Twitter. Yo, the amount of times I have thought about a tweet, written a tweet, rewritten a tweet, tweeted it, and then thought, oh, that was dumb. But for literally like you or Jess hearted it like <laughs> it's stupid <laughs> uh same mm-hmm. so much same yeah and in general I do want to acknowledge in that way of like there is a dark and winding path over there we're not going down it today but it's there but there is also then that dark side of fandom where because it's so fast and not just fandom but creation as a whole because mm-hmm. now it's a little bit more democratized and it's faster the people demand more faster and that that's this a thing that I feel super strongly and icky about and we'll probably have a very cursing fueled rant at another time but we're focusing on the positives and in that vein it kind of brings me to the last thing that I really 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 love about Taz and it's something that I don't just love about this podcast but that I love about my favorite stories like you and I are book people we love the written word we love prose we love going yo did you read that fucking sentence or look at this story mm. this thought is wow and this podcast does a thing that lots of my favorite stories do which is is it is more than genre and not to say that like a good rip-roaring western or a to mix my fucking idioms a rootin' tootin' high fantasy drama where we've gotta find this one epic sword and I am the chosen and eventually I will succeed over evil and rule my kingdom (laughs) haha success for all like those are Can great. I just interject that I would like more Root and Tootin high fantasy dramas <laughs> because I think I would like them better. Right? If they were Root and Tootin. <laughs> but that's what I mean. This is a Root and Tootin fantasy. Like, I don't want to spoil this for anybody because there is so many freaking like, like, it's to the point where it is astounding how much is in this. And I mean, this is a podcast that these guys created the first arc of it because they're moving into different 
stories now. Like, so this first arc, what I'm talking about, is called Balance. And so they literally just wrapped it up and they're moving on to like, they're gonna try to play different games and tell different stories. But the first arc took them three years to complete. My goodness. And it is a story that feels like three years went into it. And not like in that it was sluggish, but that so much is packed into it. It is, it is a fantasy. There are little bits of sci-fi in there. There is an amazing amount about fam found family. There's an amazing amount about what makes you as a person, but there's also growth, there's understanding, and just like, woof, like, dude. I think a friend of mine is on their third re-listen and they're still catching new things. And wow. it's so packed with stuff and doing all of it well. And I think, again, there's no, if you want to write the next Hobbit, fucking go for it, please do it the fuck up. But if you don't want stories that are complex, I don't necessarily agree with you. And that's me being real diplomatic because what I want to say is you're fucking wrong and we're not friends. Uh <laughs> I like that you're arguing with someone who clearly is not here. No, but I mean, but it's even it's like... a very hypothetical person. Yeah, but like even in The Hobbit, it's about linguists. It's about like lore. It's about like all this other kind of stuff. And like, I love stories like that. They're my favorites. And I think the more of them that are in the world and the more of them that can be felt and heard and understood and interacted with, the better off we can all be. And this is like, for me, just 100% one of those stories that like anything you are into, like pick a thing like where grimdark turns happy where friends find each other where there's a weird little bit of something in there like this story has it it's also like crazy representational and to say that like it's three white dudes and their dad and they went well out of their way to make sure different people and different uh experiences were represented by the end of that story that it's just like holy shit well done well fucking done it's weird how that is actually really impossible and not honestly that hard at the mm. end of the day but mm. right right I, right i suppose that's shade for another time Maybe. yes <laughs> Because they, they themselves have also been like, it's not like it's hard to do this. I mean, we were careful and clearly this was a thing we wanted to do, but it's not you hard. You have to think about it, but you yeah. also have to think about world building and how magic systems work mm -hmm. and characters' backstories and things mm -hmm. like that. I mean, it's not a different kind of thinking is my yeah. argument. So yeah, it's not hard. And the thing is, when I started listening to this podcast and my beloved wife, who you will probably hear their name a lot, their name is Wraith. I love them very much. They were into this podcast and were very calmly sort of like, hey, do you want to like try this out? It's pretty cool. No, no bother if you don't. Because they know that I'm the type of person that when you're like, this is the best. I'm like, eat a dick. You don't know shit. I love that we're both so contrary in that way because the more someone tells me to listen and you're well aware of this fact because you try mm -hmm. to recommend things to me all the time and you're very very careful about it mm -hmm. um, just, I have the same impulse to be like you don't know what I like <laughs> yeah even when it's us talking to each other I know there have been moments where I'm like dude this is really really good and it's amazing but and I'm just like I don't want cool. to because you told me to yeah <laughs> It's no, it's not a more complicated or interesting reason than that, because that happens to me constantly. Like, that happened to me on Twitter, because a bunch of people were, I haven't listened to Hamilton, and please don't yell at me. Same, Anyone don't on at the us. <laughs> High fives. Yeah, because yeah. we're just going to be like, sorry. Don't at us. <laughs> uh, but a, a bunch of my friends on Twitter were just like, no, why haven't you listened to Hamilton? 
And like, obviously, the more intense they got about it, the more I was like, don't want to, never going to, and it's your fault. Mm -hmm. Also, guys, I quit watching Game of Thrones. Again, don't at me. Like Another thing we have in common. See, this is why we're friends. Yeah. Because no one else would be friends with us otherwise. Exactly. And I will say that there are people who look at anything popular and say, well, that's garbage. I won't do it. And that's not what we're doing because those people low-key are annoying. What we're doing is when people yell at us about a thing. Because we usually come to stuff in our own time. Like Oh yeah, like if you if you let me get there, yeah. I'll get there. Also, yeah, we're not we're not hipsters, we're guys, not, I promise. Yeah, and we're not denying the genius that is Hamilton. What we're doing is going, "Hey, plays are best viewed when it's a play, and those tickets require three legs and ass kick and a golden ring, and I'm not I don't have any of those things no, right now. <laughs> none of those things. So So like No, it's it's know. not to poo-poo anyone's fave, like that's no. never the point. It's just Mm-mm. like if you bring in like a certain level of intensity to you haven't watched this, that's just a turn off for yeah. me personally. Yeah. And that, that's hard when we're all nerds. From it. Yeah. Because yeah. Because we want to be like, what? You haven't, you haven't watched The Godfather? That's crazy. Hmm. Yeah. <laughs> I picked it because I know you haven't seen it. I know. <laughs> well, to be fair, did you, did you guys ever finish? Um, you know what? Nope. I see that path. We're not going to go down that path. Are you sure? I'm positive. I'm okay, going to finish. Okay, if you're sure. I'm there are like finish. spider webs on that path? No, it's just very deep and well-trodden and not necessary because it doesn't go anywhere. Okay. Well, yeah. this is a discursive podcast, so there will be some detours, but we will not take this one. Yeah, not this one. Because it would just be like, well, have you? Well, have you? And that's... Pfft, no, we don't do that's that. That's not fun for anybody. Don't okay. do that to your friends, you guys. Like, if you want to introduce something to someone, be like, let's sit down and watch it together. Or um, mm-hmm. let me lend it to you. Or you don't want to watch it now? That's fine. Let me do. Let me know if you want to do that in the future, you know? Like... We don't have to be dicks to each other about Legit. these things. and liking things is not a one-upmanship kind of thing. Like, well, I did the oh thing my God, you wanted. No. Like, don't do not do that. Uh-uh. No, that's a bad system because then you end up getting dragged to see Mamma Mia just because you made someone else see The Descent, and I'm still upset about that, yes. Garbage. <laughs> we did lie to her about what The Descent was about, but I Mamma mean, Mia was also terrible. Yeah. Also, there's, like, a level of I understand going to see this with friends, but then you can, like, later be like, mm, nope not doing that again aka me and Taj with horror movies so yeah oh yeah you guys are gonna hear about Taj yeah Taj Taj is is our bestie yes so we'll get to Taj don't we'll come we're coming back to that path the actual path we were on yes was my wife was very good about being like hey this is a thing that I really like you should maybe try it sometime okay thanks bye and I was like I guess I'll listen to this when I do chores or whatever Because I need motivation when I do chores. And at first I was like, this is dumb, but all right, that, that made me laugh a couple times. And then I was like, ah, all right, this is still dumb, but it's, it's funny. I'll keep going. And then it was like, wait, what? They're doing what now? These fucking doofuses, like in a really fun way. And then there was a point during the third part of this arc where like shit just hit me in the face with emotion. And I was like, oh no, this is precious to me. <laughs> oh. In recommending it, I can't not warn people about that because if you go and look anything up about it, it's these people that are like, this made my life. It's this thing that's amazing. I love it so much. It literally like watered my crops and my skin is clear and there's no hatred anywhere. And you're like, what? And you listen to the first podcast and you're like, am I in the wrong place? (laughs) I think that's true for a lot of things because especially, I mean, we're talking about series like Mm -hmm. sort of generally, right? Where you're Mm -hmm. just like, everything... takes a minute to find its footing and I think it's fair to 
ask people to be a little patient but it's also hard because yeah once when, when something like finds its popularity and then you like want to show someone your fave and they're just like this is not that good mm-hmm. <laughs> or it's not that interesting you're like no but you have to wait like the rest of us waited like come yeah. on um, but that can be really hard too you made me think of Zombies Run which is now extremely popular it's a running app that I personally adore um, but it, it's a similar thing where it like starts out where like oh this is kind of fun and I like this and I think my friends might like this too but they don't have to do it and then you know you get like I think six episodes in you're just like my feelings <laughs> you should do this because you'll feel so many things too mm-hmm. but it's not immediate like it's never immediate like everything has to work its way in and you know some things seem really silly at first and mm-hmm. then they gain momentum and they gain depth and kind of to me that's a really cool thing about the way we experience media now mm-hmm. because we get to engage with works on that level yeah because there's less gatekeeping than there was so you you get to decide whether you're going to keep giving something a chance. Like, it's not a studio exec or someone who's just like, oh, well, not enough people watch the pilot, so we're not going to do it. Yeah, and I actually, again, that's a democratization of, I guess, liking stuff? <laughs> Creating sure. content? One of those, I don't know. But Whatever. Whatever it's kind of, it it's nice in that way. That, and also that we can warn each other, because for me, it means that I don't see bullshit, because I have friends that I trust their opinion, like you, like Tosh, like Jess, when you guys are like, excuse me, I saw this it was amazing and I'm like great I wanted to see that let's fucking do it versus you know the I think this is really prevalent in movies too like opening weekend is gone it used to be like Mm -hmm. opening week and then it was opening weekend and now it's Mm -hmm. opening day because the first time somebody sees something and they're like oh this is garbage you're like oh cool not gonna see that not gonna engage with that no thanks but conversely when you have a friend that goes dude 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 someone made this for you you'd be like great I'll be in the theater fucking two months <laughs> yeah, this is perfect for you. Mm-hmm. You need this in your life. Yeah, but in terms of, of Taz being perfect for me, it's that layered story element where there's just so much there. And it like, who boy. When I tell you that I sat on the couch and sobbed for like a solid five minutes, mm-hmm. like I said, in a happy way, like it, mm-hmm. it, it did water my crops and my skin is clear and there's no such thing as <laughs> hatred anymore. <laughs> Like, it was really good, and it was great, and I mean, again, I am a crier. If you put a sad scene in front of me, I am that person that goes, no. Like, it's it's not actually hard. No, it's really, really not. It's more consistency. Like, if I I go, oh, that was sad, after it's over, I'm like, okay, you're fine. But if I come back to it, and I'm still crying later when you know it was a good one and like yeah we're just thinking about it makes you cry yeah and like yeah Wraith and I have gone back and forth about but did you realize this but did you realize this but did you know that then this makes me sad like (laughs) but in that way we're sharing fan canon is really like great where you're like holy shit this is amazing also it makes me sad and I love it like I love the feel. People love to feel things. I, mm-hmm. I I don't think we talk about that a lot as a culture, but we loved being moved by things. Yeah. Because if you think about like Game of Thrones is probably a, a great example at this point, even though neither of us watch it, which mm-hmm. is hilarious um, because it should be perfect for us and it is not. No. <laughs> we won't get into that. That's another dark winding path. Yep. But, but one of the things I see consistently from people is the kind of anxiety that they feel about it because they're so invested in like a particular character and they're worried about what's going to happen to them I mean it's it's not this like passive viewing experience where you're just like impressed by the aesthetics or by the dialogue or by the acting it's like no I'm genuinely worried about what's going to happen to Daenerys yeah 
it seems to be where people are at. So yeah, it's, it's that stuff that is memorable and less the kind of technical prowess of what people are doing and more about you know, how it reaches you, you know, as, a, as an audience. Yeah. And I think, I think that's where I can leave it, honestly, is the idea that like, hey, yeah, because like, I don't, I don't want to turn it into like, here's the thing that I love, because I can do that pretty easily. And we do that in person. But like, for this, I like the thought of saying, hey, if you're looking for something that will move you, there's a complex story done by three brothers and their dad. So they care about everybody who's listening and about everybody playing. This is a cool fucking thing to listen for. And I think in this, the, the geeking out about section, the things we do recommend are probably going to come down to stuff of like, I think the world is a little bit better for having this in it. So Yeah. And okay, we're not trying to introduce you to anything that maybe you haven't heard of. Although if you haven't, like no shame in that. Oh yeah, totes. I often feel like I come to things weeks or months later after they've, you know, already become popular. Like it, it's hard to be in that like front group of people. It's like I knew this was awesome from the beginning when it was an underground thing, and I, I don't know why we value that anyway. But if if this is an introduction for you, great. If it's something you already know about and you haven't listened to it, awesome. And if you are exactly where Kelly is, then I guess congratulations. You can kind of at me for that. Like, not you a can, lot. Yeah, because, definitely. I mean, I am I do fandom stuff sometimes, but I usually don't do a lot of it. But if you're just like, I love this thing too. Hell yeah. Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of a lot of politics right now on both of our, our Twitter feeds. And, you know, that probably yeah. shouldn't surprise anyone. But I would argue that that makes um, stuff like this that much more important right now. Mm-hmm. Like, we are all in desperate need of stories that not only make us feel a little bit better, you know, put us a little bit more in touch with our feelings, but just, like, also help us engage with the world in a way that isn't just oh, completely difficult. <laughs> yep. Agreed. Okay. So that's it for geeking out about this time. Yeah. So that takes us to our next section. <laughs> Break. So our second section... Uh, probably for each episode so we're going to change things out but it'll probably be pretty regular our next section is called uh what about where we talk about broader ideas that uh, we think are relevant not only to us but all of you but mostly just stuff that is on our mind so this time we are saying uh what about getting older so a little bit of background uh kelly and i both turned 30 this year which many cultures including our own american tell us is a big deal yeah but i'm all air horn about it We have many thoughts and feelings, uh, and we also, uh, because a lot of our peers are obviously also turning 30 or just turned 30, we're dealing with everyone else's uh, preconceptions about what it means to be out of your 20s and, I guess, no longer young. Although I still feel plenty young, personally. Oh, yeah. So where, where do you want to start with this one? How did you feel when you turned 30? Let's start with that. I felt pretty dang good, but to be fair, when I turned 30, I have, like, I have an unfair millennial advantage in that mm. some of those things that you're traditionally supposed to do in your 30s, I got a little bit on lock. So, yeah. But I felt really good about it because uh, I'm not dead. Like, <laughs> I mean, it, it, it feels like such a trite thing to say, but if the, the option is get older or don't yeah I'm gonna go for get older every time like I would rather still be here and be just like a little bit creakier or a little bit grayer because yes those things are happening and no one tells you god 30 is second puberty guys like whoa you're like what's happening in my body I don't understand that part I don't super love mostly because I didn't get a lot of warning about it but like 
there's no it's no joke that shit happens and also it's completely understandable now because in my 20s I looked at people who were in their 30s being like why do you give a fuck about kale and like I'm 30 now and I'm like yo kale still sucks ass but I definitely need to eat more salad because fiber gotta be nice to your lower intestines you guys it's real important yeah and I think part of why I was good about turning 30 and I understand lots of other people may not be in this place is because I looked around and there were things in my life that I had cultivated that made me happy and I think too often people don't people aren't given the space to do that like you turn 30 and you're like I'm old let's talk about how old we are versus when I turn 30 I'm like Yo, people love me. I know stuff that I'm doing in my life. My bank account is not at zero. Hell yeah, and I'm not dead. Like, so when I say that I'm happy because I'm not dead, I don't mean it in like a morbid way. I just mean it in sort of a like, I make an active effort to look around at stuff and go, well, I have this and I do have this and that's cool. Like. Maybe for you it's, you know, I have a cool dog that loves me or like I live in a city that I like or hey, my parents are so nice to me. Like I and again, I recognize that I have an advantage because there's some traditional adult shit that I have done that means people leave me alone about certain things like getting married and moving out and having a career. <laughs> Because it just so happens that the thing that I'm good at is something that you can hinge a long-term plan on. Yes. Kelly works in advertising, for those not in the know. Yep. Which is a place where you can still have a real job, mm-hmm. usually, mostly, right? Yeah, it's debatable for some people, but for me, I lucked out. I mean, I, I think that's a big part of it, though. Like, I think we all make plans. Yeah. And that's great. But there is a certain amount of luck involved. Not that you didn't work hard, because you obviously did. And just, I think the in touch with what you want and who you are quality is actually really important because I think Mm -hmm. the people for whom 30 is shocking are the same people who you know maybe had kind of lost sight of what they wanted or who they wanted to be at this point for whatever reason because you know you can get out of touch with that idea because you know you're distracted by a relationship or you've been trying really hard to get a job and it's really hard because Mm -hmm. it's still really hard to get a job especially one that you like So I think there are a lot of things that can kind of like distance you from where you thought you were going to be and your sense of yourself. And so for a lot of people, I think 30 is a a wake up to like all of the things that they haven't done. Yeah. And they start to forget all of the things that they did do in their 20s, you know, because I think you probably accomplish more than you think. So we have a lot of friends who are very dramatic about turning 30. Tosh! Our buddy Tosh. (laughs) Sorry, that was um, (laughs) amazing. It's fine. She expects it from you. Uh, (laughs) Taj is our other best friend. Mm -hmm. Or our best friend. Our mutual best friend. OG best friend. Let's go with that. What one? OG. OG best (laughs) friend. I don't think I can say that. Okay, well, I will say it. Taj is one of our OG best friends because the three of us... I don't think I have the proper permits, Kelly. That's fine. Like I said, I'll say it forever. (laughs) But the three of us have known each other since elementary school. And at some point, we'll get drunk and tell the story about how all of us are friends. But... (laughs) We have been. Yeah, it actually is pretty epic, especially for the time. But that path, brightly lit, super fun. We'll go down it sometime. But there's carnival music. Hell yeah, there's probably funnel cake down there too. Shit, there is funnel cake, but you have to pass the test of friendship first. (laughs) 
Yes. But anyway, so the three of us are OG best friends because we have known each other since elementary school and our friendship has been one of those things that just never goes away. And not like it wasn't cultivated because it was, but... It was work. Yeah, and, and the three of us have been referred to as a triad, as the triplets, as the three amigo, whatever, friends. The unholy trinity. God, I hate that one so much. Like, go fuck I kind of love it. I feel like we should just embrace it. I mean... I, you know I love shit that's like demon devilish occulty, but also at the same time, you take your Christian bullshit and shove it. <laughs> We're super holy. <laughs> if you say so, Kelly. I mean, not really. God, that's terrible. I don't want to paint us into that corner because we're defo not. No. <laughs> but anyway, no, really. Taj has not liked getting older since we literally turned 24. No, nah, man. It was like 18. Oh, shit. You're totally right. Like, she's... She, Basically, our, our dear friend looks at 18 and goes, we're adults now, our lives are over. Which, eat a million dicks, which I tell her to her face. <laughs> yeah, this she's not going to listen to this and be shocked. No, not at all. But I think that's also part of it, though, is because so much of media looks backwards. Like, you have things, mm-hmm. even on, like, sitcoms mm-hmm. where it's like, oh, I had my youth before I married you on, like, a procedural type thing. And it's like, bleh. Like... <laughs> Just the fun in that. Also, I feel yeah, like you mentioned before that like people who are turning 30 that are a little bit unsatisfied at, of, with it are seeing all the things they haven't done. Whereas for me, it's a chance to say, I might have so much time left to do them, you know? Right. There's so many more opportunities. I'm better positioned to do the things that I want to do now than I was 10 years ago or even five years ago. Uh, for me, a lot of it is I feel so much more myself than I did when I was 20. Like I know exactly who I am. I know the things that I want. Uh, I know the ways in which I can pursue those things, whether I'm successful or not, is kind of beside the point. Like mm-hmm. I have a self-understanding that I did not have. I think where 30 gets tricky is it's it's really easy to get influenced by um, the kind of cultural anxiety that we put on 30 and then like the anxiety of, you know, people around you, uh, where the more they talk about how they're not where they want to be since they're 30, the more you end up thinking about all the things that you haven't done Um, And the scarier that can be, right? So I think the anxiety about 30 is certainly contagious. For the most part, I feel like pretty good about being 30 because, again, I feel like now I know who I am. I know what I want out of life. I know how to pursue those things. But it's also easy to, like, get caught up in the, but I haven't, like, finished my novel or whatever. Like, it's just, it's so easy to get caught in the riptide of that and get dragged out to sea. Um, But none of that is productive thinking because time already got spent, guys. Like, we're 30 now. You kind of have to deal with it. If you don't deal with it, you're going to spend the next 10 years, wake up when you're 40, and realize that you just spent, you know, a decade worrying about the fact that you're getting older. Yeah. Also, like, it's it's a pivot. Like, I don't think either of us were perfectly in tune with this every single day of our lives like even just before like so today I wore a short skirt and I looked at my legs and I was like geez there's like extra scars there from like mosquito bites that I picked out or like I have a cat and he claws my legs up and I'm like ugh, that's super weird and old lady to have like little dark spots all over my legs and then I was like fuck you these are battle scars and I looked at a couple where I'm like oh yeah I remember this is one scar where I jumped off a truck and then there's this way less crazy than it sounds bt dubs the truck was still um <laughs> It was your dad's truck in your driveway, wasn't it? Yeah, it was. 
okay. And then I have some others from like, like I said, the cat. There's one where I skinned my knee on the day of my friend from school who was very close to me, but it was her wedding and I was her maid of honor and I was running to get something and I tripped and skinned the fuck out of my knees. <laughs> and everybody was like, oh my God, you're bleeding. And I'm like, I don't care. It's not about me. <laughs> That may be the most Kelly thing that could happen in that situation. (laughs) Like, so seeing all of these scars now, I'm like, oh yeah, some of these are pretty fun and they remind me that I've lived. So even in those moments of like, wait, there are things I haven't done. Like, one of the adult things I do not have on lock is I don't have a driver's license and I'm 30. And that's like, wicked weird. (laughs) But I've got all this time now to get one. Yeah, it's it's the next thing. And I think you're right in like looking forward to thinking like how many things you can accomplish now I mean there there's so much that we can do and uh, arguably there's so much that we should do I don't I, I think there's something really helpful in that because it, it again it goes back to the fact that, like wouldn't you rather have the opportunity than not yeah like you said being more of yourself means that you can do it on your terms like there's this great thing I think it's somebody's tweet and I'm I don't remember the comedian but it's it's someone says a list of 30 things women over 30 should stop doing and one through 30 was stop caring about other people caring about other people's opinions yes and I was like well, hell yeah <laughs> and that probably brings up a point that we haven't really gotten to yet is there is a gendered aspect to this now I'm not saying that men don't feel anxiety uh, about getting older but I think there are certain cultural perceptions placed on women that add mm-hmm. some some anxiety that doesn't need to be there like I think a good example is uh, obviously we like, you know, we're always taught to care about how we look, but, um, you know, once you get a little bit older, you, like, are told that you have to start worrying about, like, specific things. So, for me, a really good example is actually my hair. Yeah! So, in my family, we have the genetic traits for, like, premature gray hairs, right? Mm -hmm. And also, I'm a vegetarian, which means that if you don't eat the protein that you're supposed to, you can also get gray hairs. So, I have a fair number of them, and they don't necessarily bother me specifically, but I have noticed recently that they do bother other people well i'm just i'm gonna go with the call from before which is eat a million dicks like (laughs) it's your hair (laughs) first of all yeah it's my hair so fuck you but I think another thing is they think, like, especially if they're a little bit older or they're my age, like, it is uncomfortable for them to see gray in my hair um, because it makes them feel old, right? Because either we're peers or they're older than I am. So what does it say about them that I have, like, this gray hair? Um, because women are always supposed to be mirrors to a certain extent, right, for Which other people. Ultimately, to me, is kind of dumb because it's like, hey, guys, spoiler alert, time is linear. <laughs> Ain't no bitches going backwards. <laughs> Doesn't matter if you dye your hair or if you get Botox or you do any of the stuff that you can do. And I'm not saying that you shouldn't do those things if that's what you really want to do, but it's not going to reverse anything, right? It's just going to make you look how you are now, but a little bit different. But it's not going to make you look 16 again, I promise. Yeah, and again, live your truth. If your truth is like, at 30, I want to have 30 billion size boobs and I'm going to do Botox and never move my face again, cool. I mean, not my truth, but live yours. But at the same time, the same way that I'm not going to look at you and go, man, your face makes me look old and uncomfortable. Don't (laughs) look at us and be like, you you should do something about those dark spots or you should do something about those gray hairs. Eat a million dicks. (laughs) (laughs) Also, maybe some introspection probably couldn't hurt while you're eating the dicks. See, this is why we work, because I can scream at people and you'll be like, no, here's the really thoughtful thing you should do. <laughs> That's 
not always going to be true. <laughs> no, not at all. We usually switch parts. <laughs> yeah, it, it's weird. It balances, but it not not just because of who we are individually. It just happens. Yeah, but no, I mean, on both ends, eat a million dicks, but also look at your life, look at your choices, figure out why you yeah. feel this way. And again, why, like, why do you feel this way? Who told you that this was true? Yeah. Why does it bother you so much? And why does it bother them? Like, I know that there's, there's a level two of like, some people feel great until someone tells them like, oh man, you're looking okay for 30, but you might want to clean some shit up. And it's like, ew, gross. Right. Like maybe you should lose 10 pounds and like start wearing more dark colors. And you're like, and it's like, why does that matter to you? Are you going to feel better if I'm 10 pounds lighter or does telling me that I should be 10 pounds lighter and dye my hair make you look feel like you look better? Because gross. Yeah, either way, I, you're you're definitely subscribing to some toxicity that I, you know, will acknowledge is not inherent to you, but it's in you and maybe deal with that yeah. instead of dealing with how someone else looks or how you know someone else dresses or or anything like that like eat a million dicks mind your own business (laughs) yes i love that you said it a plus all right but also i mean admitting that the fact that it can be hard like i said before i've looked at myself in the mirror and been like yikes and then (laughs) been kind of hasn't had that feeling exactly but then very resolutely been like no eat a million dicks self no yikes we're great like But I also think part of what we have done together is like make sure that we have a little bit of insurance against that feeling. And we've done something I think is super great because every time I mention it to people, they're always surprised. And this podcast is a little bit a part of it. And um, we have a list. So together, is it cool if I talk about it or do you want to talk about it? Oh, it's absolutely. Sorry, I was listening to my mother in the background yell at my cat. Oh, nice. (laughs) I love that because your mom will feel so satisfied and then Mimi will be like, do I give a fuck? Nope. (laughs) No fucks. Uh, My cat is 20, by the way, you guys. So if you're worried about getting older. She's a mean lady and she's great. (laughs) So old. She still hunts shit. Like that's the kind of old lady we want to (laughs) be. Yeah. Well, which is okay. That's actually probably a good segue, right? Like, so dude. We have plans. Yeah. So we, I explained this to someone actually where I was like, we have plans for stages in our lives so that when we get older, there's a level of excited anticipation. So one of those things is that we have what we call the 437 list. So it's like F-O-R, the age 37, because when we were like, what, 18? Did we decide this list? Pretty young. Yes. Christ. Maybe 20. We were like weirdly before our time. We've always been that way. We have old souls. Yeah, we do. And I love it. Anyway. I love our old souls. <laughs> we're going to grow into them someday. I know. I'm excited. <laughs> but um, so we decided that 37 as an arbitrary age was perfect because by then you're a little bit more settled in whatever it is you're going to do, either for your life, for your career, whatever. And that would be the time where you get to have fun creatively. So we have an ongoing list that we add things to, projects that we want to do together, shit we want to create, things we want to write, like just, and it's on that list. And, but what it's done functionally for us, A, is give us something to look forward to. And we also have stuff where we're like, oh my God, I hope when we're 50, we're taking Viking river cruises, you guys. Like, so we have other stuff that's like. (laughs) Yes, we're going to be excellent, excellent middle-aged and older ladies. Yeah, it's going to be great because when you're in your 40s and you're taking a fucking Viking river cruise, you're still one of the youngest people on that boat. So you're like goddamn catnip and I'm excited. Also, we're going to have such good hats. Hell yes! I'm so excited for our hats. No, me too. (laughs) 
But like this conversation is literally what that does for us is it gives us things to be excited about. So like 30 means I'm 10 years away from my perfect fucking hat collection and touring the goddamn Thames. Like, yeah. <laughs> and not that you have to wait for those ages to do these things, but because again, the list that we have for 37 is all creative projects. But the closer we got to 30, it meant that both of us were like, hey, dude, we should start working on some shit together. And after a few false starts, because, you know, life is difficult in your 20s. Let's like, please stop pretending that life is all, you know, drunken fun times because, yeah, that happens. But it's also hard. Like you're still trying to sort through so much shit in your 20s. So absolutely. Yeah. yeah, we of course had some false starts where we started trying to work on things together. And then the closer we got to 30, the more we were like, ooh, we can kind of nail some of this down. And like doing this podcast is one of those things where we're like, let's get in the habit of working together. So when we hit 37, we're ready to start chugging along on that list. And like, it's fucking great. <laughs> and yeah, and do things. And I think it speaks to something else. It's not just about having things to look forward to, guys. I think there are a lot of normal or normative probably benchmarks um, that are expected in our lives and it, it is absolutely fine to pursue those things and like as Kelly's mentioned she's actually fulfilled quite a few of them uh, and we're actually super proud of her for that yeah. but as life goes on I think people have to confront the fact that there are fewer and fewer of those benchmarks that you know just kind of happen organically because of how old you are or what have you you know so if we're talking about things like self-actualization which is really important on some level you have to figure out what that looks like for you and that's not something that's just going to be given to you kind of pre-cut by society right Mm -hmm. so it's great to have kids it's great to get a house it's great to get married if those are things that you want to do but I think you'll probably find that when we talk about fulfillment, we're talking about something that really has nothing to do or little to do with what, you know, kind of what we've been told that we should be doing at any given age. Yeah. So for me, like the 37 list is part of that. It's like, okay, like this isn't necessarily about my career and it's not necessarily about making money. It's about doing things that uh, we both like and that we want to do and that we want to share with other people. And this podcast is one of those things. Yeah. Yay. Yes. But then also, like, to turn it back on you, because you were like, yay, Kelly did stuff, but also yay you, because I remember when you started making some choices that some would classify as adult life decisions, we had a couple different long talks about the idea of alternative adulthood. And I think in the moment, it's very, very brave to do what you did, where you're like, "Mm, kind of fuck some of these benchmarks. I'm going to make up some (laughs) stuff for myself and make this work in a way that works for me and continue moving forward in my life, in my passions, in my goals in my career but not in a linear way and I think that's really wonderful and amazing and I hope it becomes more of the norm because again like I lucked out doing some of the stuff that I'm doing but I think what you've done is so much further along that that path of self-actualization like you just mentioned Aww. yeah <laughs> so now you guys are going to learn something about both of us is that we're terrible at taking compliments hell yeah like you I hope you hear it that both of us have very intense shark smiles right now because Uh, we're so uncomfortable. I know it's really bad. (laughs) Why did you do that? That's so because you complimented me first. (laughs) You started it this time. And it's always a revenge plot for this. No, but it's also a balanced perspective because one it's a of revenge us, plot. <laughs> one of us is doing things in a super traditional way and one of us is not. And both of us are proud of the other, right? It's not that traditional. You've been plenty brave about plenty of things. I mean, so yeah, but it's, it is it, the benchmarks. Like the shit that everybody's fucking great aunt Mabel, who you haven't seen in six years, is like, so 
did you graduate from college? Do you have a traditional career? Are you married? Do you have a house? Are you thinking about kids? Like, pfft. I looked in the I love Aunt Mabel. <laughs> I think she might be Aunt Eat a Million Dicks, though. <laughs> She is on because it, again, it's like you said. If those are the things you want, go for them, and also go for them in the way that is comfortable for you for your life. Like again, probably gonna reveal a little bit more about me than is strictly necessary. I have all these benchmarks, and we're not having kids. Like I have a lot of stuff that other people will be like, "Cool, you're prime for babies," and I'm like, "No." So. <laughs> But I also know there are people who have a kid before they have a house because that's what works for them. Or you have people who never get married and they they live in different types of relationships and that's what works for them. Or you have people who never have a linear career and they're fucking joyous about their life. Like, I really think that the death of traditional adulthood that's come from all of the millennial garbage that we'll get to in terms of like (laughs) that bullshit. If you're listening and you are 35 and under, you know exactly what we're talking about. Ayy, fucked up shit. But (laughs) I think the plus of the death of that is that more and more we can look towards stuff that says what helps you feel self-actualized, which is a little bit different than what makes you happy because plenty of parents will tell you that their first year of parenting is not something that made them happy all the time. But it no, is because something... they were not sleeping. <laughs> but it's something that makes them feel fulfilled. It's the same way that I'm moving forward in my career right now and it does not always make me happy in like joyous butterflies and shit, but it makes me feel satisfied. Like when I do a great piece of work or when I do a particularly good client presentation or I've been learning new skills about, you know, even things like how do you estimate the time on creative stuff and I'm just like, hell fucking yeah. This is hard and it scares me, but good job me, I did it. Like, I think we have so much more room to do that and to focus on that as adulthood versus do you have a house and a car and what are the babies? Like, I need a million dicks. Yep. (laughs) No, for sure. And I think, again, to go back to the idea that all of that is fine, but like you also want to self-interrogate about why you want the things that you want. Like, I think that's a healthy thing to do periodically. And I will say, if we're talking about 30 as a benchmark, it's an ideal time to do it. Hell you yeah. know, it's it's an arbitrary number for sure. But as upright monkeys, we're clearly kind of obsessed with round numbers for some reason. Don't know why. Um, but we're drawn to them. So like if, if 30 makes you kind of sit back and take stock and you don't usually do that, I think that's great. Yeah. Because it's a good time to think about why you want the things that you want maybe why you haven't achieved them yet and again if you really want them you know is it is it that you really do want that house like right now or is it because you feel bad that you're still renting and you're like uncle eat a million dicks is giving you <laughs> shit because you're still renting and who does that mm-hmm. it, it happens it legit happens which is so infuriating but like but again it comes down to just know that if you're at home and doing something that you love great if you are in a big city and you feel like you're struggling but you're pursuing something that's important to you great if you're at a point of of an, like an impasse and you're not actually sure what you want to do and you're like fuck i need to sit still and think about this great like wherever you're at as long as you're not waking up at 30 going i made a horrible mistake like you're doing good like that's me being happy air horns for you and i think more and more we have to talk about that and we have to be upfront about that because like thanks to good old medical science like we're gonna live longer like if you do shit right you're gonna live longer if you do shit wrong you might live longer too like it's all that it's hard to say there are plenty of people who hit 100 who've been drinking scotch for like 
70 years. Which also, like, low-key air horns for them, too, because damn goals. But, uh... That is so metal. <laughs> I love it. But it's just, it's more along the lines of, instead of being scared of 30, I want more people to see 30 as a time to go, hell yeah. Like, and whatever your hell yeah is, if it's like, hell yeah, I am a dog walker and I'm fucking boss. Or like, hell yeah, I'm a kept woman and these were actually my goals. I don't understand your life, but also air horns for you too. Like... <laughs> No, cheers. And good on you for being cozy and whatever else you are. Yeah. Also, wow, what is your life? Right? Dude, if you actually are 30 and like a kept wife and that was literally your goal, I would love to know about that. Like, what the hell? Yeah, you can add us about that because I have so many questions. That's amazing. Like, legitimately, and this is a path I'm going down real quick. Every time I see a story about sugar babies, I'm just like, you're doing amazing, sweetie. Does not matter your gender, does not matter your race, does not matter, well, mm, does matter your age. You please be legal age being a sugar baby, please. Yes. I do feel weird about underage crap. That's, oof, ouch. Consent is very important. Super stop myself there. But all those other factors. Real important. Like there was just a Tumblr story, which I hope is totally true that I know you reblogged about a sugar baby who is queer and is now like boinking a dude's mom who made fun of her in high school. And I'm like, get it. (laughs) Yeah, she's fucking her bully's mom. Right? (laughs) And he didn't know she was a lesbian. (laughs) Like, I so hope this is true. Tumblr, yeah, it's such a beautiful minefield of what? (laughs) Really? What? As a person who works in advertising, part of what makes me feel better about it is I am here for paying for goods and services. (laughs) (laughs) And let us be super real, it is a service. And if there is no love in hanging out with people and fucking somebody, it's hell of a service. So, you know, hey, look, real MVPs got your life together, buy a boat, do whatever it is you're doing. What, whatever it is that makes you happy. Yeah, but, but in that vein, like 30 is a chance to look at shit and go, what is this? Do I want to keep doing this? You can Jack Skellington it, you know, have a moment of oh, like, wow. what if wow. I want to be Chris? Yeah, you're welcome. What Such if- a specific cultural reference. <laughs> but you know, he's, what's this? What's this? Maybe I want to be Christmas. And then he looks up and goes, actually, no, I can't. But I can be the best damn Halloween I can be because that's what brings me joy and love and where all the things that are important to me are. Boom, bought it home. I never doubted you. Oh, I know. I'm just proud of myself. <laughs> you should be. I'm proud of you too. Friends are so supportive, you guys. Yeah, legit. Okay. Which well, probably brings me to another thing is like, not that you can't express your legitimate concerns about turning 30 because you might have some and that is okay. Mm-hmm. Don't be a dick to your other friends who no. maybe were feeling fine about it until you decided to dump your anxiety on them and make them feel shitty about their lives. Yeah. Because that's mean. Yeah. That is not okay. Nope. Because we're talking about your issues with being 30. And just because someone else isn't living the life that you maybe think that they should or the life maybe even that they want to be living does not mean that you get to take out your own fears on them. That is not cool. So the only maybe the best way that 30 is going to be as awesome, if not more so than 20, is the fact that we're all doing it together. Yeah. And also that 30 gives you the range to say the magic phrase, eat a million dicks. Like legitimately, if someone else has anxiety about this, that's fine. Like if you are someone who just naturally is like, I don't know what's next. Okay. If you're someone who's like, Hey, I have a, I am differently abled. I don't know how this is going to work for me. Okay. 
fair. Like, there's so many different ways that you can be anxious about 30. You know, that's okay. But to go to someone else and be like, no, 30 is going to be terrible because all these things are going to happen to you and you have too much gray hair and everything is garbage and you're not actually fulfilling yourself and really things are terrible. Gross. No, no. And that's also not being a friend. Like if aunt or uncle eat a million dicks does that to you, we knew they would do that. That's fine. Anybody in the boomer range is still trying to figure out what adulthood means and that's on them. Woof. Everybody's got Legit. somebody they love in that group, whatever. Or you have Gen Xers who are a little bit mad because they tried to buy into the system. The system said, nope. That's also they fine. They are a little bit mad. They're a lot of bit mad and I kind of want to tell them to eat it. Like maybe without Every the Every time dicks. I see like a salty Gen X post on Twitter or Tumblr, I'm like, why are you mad though? Well, because they, they've already invested so much more than we have, to be fair. That's true, but like, you know, if you think about like all the like shitting on millennials articles mm-hmm. that happen, which um, are a huge pet peeve of ours, guys. <laughs> um, friends, friends of the podcast. Uh, we hate that. A lot. Uh, so many of them are written by Gen Xers and it just seems like this gross brown nosing. Yeah, and I get it. The rug was pulled out from under you when you were way further along than us, so it's harder to the make The rug things. wasn't even there. Right. <laughs> wasn't even there. It was a hardwood floor. We, it was probably linoleum, let's be honest. We are going to turn back from this because the point is to say yes there are people of different ages different experiences different places in their lives who are going to be upset about 30 and that's fine we are talking to people or I'm calling out people who are 30 and go tell their or in that range whatever and you go tell your other friend you should be upset too no no uh uh-uh no, don't do that. Bad. No, no. Really, you're just yelling at Tosh right now. Yes, I have also actually yelled at Tosh. So I feel pretty qualified because every time Tosh sort of like, no, we'll never do anything interesting again. I'm like, I don't care what you're doing because I'm doing amazing, sweetie. And when it's time for Viking River Cruises, I'm dragging your ass with me. And I'm literally going to point at the skyline and go, eat it. <laughs> like... <laughs> Also, guys, literally, you need to understand that this is actually our friendship. We once fought about who got to hit, sit at the head of a table, and the table was round. Whoa, 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 whoa. I mean, it's not once. It's Several like times. every fucking time. I'm just time, saying that particular okay? time, the table was round. This is true, but it wasn't the only round table. It's no. not the last time it's going to happen. Never. I just, this is my life. Yeah. Like, I should tell you. I love her and adore her, and if anyone messes with her, I will fight you and probably rip your throat out and then laugh as you die, which is wow aggressive. And again, why Julia is saying fight me is a big deal. And me saying fight you is graphic. Tuesday. <laughs> so graphic. I just, I don't know. She's my OG friend. I'm really protective of her. But when she starts. It is, but you also yell at her a lot. A lot, a lot. But she yells back. Like, this is not me just she yelling it's at fine. my friend. Like- we yell at each other. It is a mutual yelling. As, as said, um, Kelly's not saying anything here that she has not said to Taj's face on multiple occasions. Hell yeah. But yeah, I think everybody <laughs> has that friend that has their anxieties. And it's not to make people feel bad for feeling bad no. because that's ridiculous. But it is to say that it is not as bad as you think it is. Yeah. And part of it is about perspective. Yeah. It's about perspective. And there are awesome things coming up. There are like shitty hard things coming up. Like, I don't know, colonoscopies sound terrible. I've had one already. So, so check that so out. They suck, off right? the adult list. It's garbage. Super yeah. Gar- like when people are like, oh, I gotta go do the co-. garbage. Super garbage. So that's fair. 
that's fair. But like all of the other opportunities that you have are immense. And like our opportunities like as a group are also immense. So like I think especially right now, it's easy to feel kind of depressed about how the world is. Yeah. Just And not to be like cheesy about it, no. but like we got this. Yeah, we really like, do. legitimately, I feel very buck up, buckaroos. And not like buck up like bootstraps, more like buckle up, buckaroos. Because we're going to fucking take this world by storm because we've already decided to. Like, again, this is why I want people to feel empowered. If you're under 34, look around at what you're doing. Is it in any way something that somebody told you to do? Mm, okay, but is it in any way something that you thought about that is actually worthwhile that you really want to do even better? Or if it's something where you're like, I'm doing this so I can do the thing I want to do, great. But the fact that we're even answering these questions or asking them, like, look at my, I know my grandparents didn't ask these questions until they were 60s. So every day that I get to wake up and go, I did this because I fucking wanted to, <laughs> feels incredibly fulfilling to me. Like, as it should. And it should feel for you too. I don't care what it is. Even if it just means, like, if you do, a shit job, but every Tuesday you play D and D because you fucking wanted to. Yeah, yeah. Oh, way to bring it back. Yeah, <laughs> I try. Right? <laughs> that's where we started. Yeah. Well, because that's the other thing, and I think part of this is you know sometimes you're you are facing down some drudgery, and that fucking sucks. Like I'm not gonna say that it doesn't, but the opportunities that you have to make things, especially to make things for other people and to enjoy together, that's that's the sweet spot. Like whether you get to do that for an hour every month or you get to do it full time, find that thing that makes you happy. And I guarantee you that like whatever it is, it is probably making something or doing something mm -hmm. with a group of people that you like. Maybe it's solo, that's fine too. I wanna say too that yes, the thing you like to do is probably creating something, but please remember that creation is anything. Creation is the dinner you make yourself that's delicious. Creation is the conversation you have with your friends. Creation is the head cannons you, even if you don't share them with anybody that you create about your favorite show, like fucking go you for that. And just know that like there's joy still to be found. And I think that's one of the biggest things for both of us in turning 30 is that so many people want to focus on crow's feet, gray hairs, woo, can't be a trophy wife anymore or can only be a trophy wife for four years or what if my life expectancy is only 50, wah. Like not that that's not a sad thing, but like <laughs> yeah, that was really unsympathetic. I'm, I meant it more like, you still got some years, champ. Like, <laughs> She cares, she does, I, I actually promise. do. But you do. You care a lot. Yeah, probably too much. But for me, ultimately, the idea is, hey, you made it. And there's still quite a lot of joy to be found in the life that you live, in the life that you can discover, and the, the moving forward. And... If you're in a place right now where there isn't joy to be found, there's hope that it's out there. Like, and that to me is one of the most important things to say that whatever your active creation is, fucking yeah. And whatever your joys are, hell fucking yeah. And if you don't know either of those two things, guess what? You've got the best journey ahead of you. And all of those things are 1000% worth having. Can I get an amen? Hey fucking man! <laughs> Yay! I knew you would. Of course I would. I'm good at call and response. <laughs> are. Weirdly so. I love chanting. Ugh. Chanting is great. Clapping is also really yes. fun. I go to a lot of sporting events. Yes. Which is something our audience doesn't know about me, but I do. Ooh, Clapping really is like so baseball. fun. I love baseball. And I like and soccer. the design of baseball stadiums and uniforms. 
but not that counts too yeah but like not in an active way in like a, i will listen to a podcast about this very specific niche thing <laughs> well we hate podcasts so clearly that's why we're making one that's absolutely why we're making one and why we just spent the first half an hour of this one talking about one sort of <laughs> yeah <laughs> but, but for real we love podcasts yeah but I, I, I guess we can ultimately leave it on that very poetic thing or also just burr, 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 30 is great <laughs> 30 is great and creativity as I think you said is a lot of different things it's, it's not it's not just art although we love art it's not just music it's it's so much stuff it's well, it's thing. definitely gardening yes. is creative like come on yo how are we on the same page because you said gardening and i was saying it's the fact that for the first time in my life a squirrel threw a nut at me today <laughs> what <laughs> wait what those are both outside plant things <laughs> they are you were clearly in the outdoors if that happened yeah. otherwise something very strange occurred but wait what <laughs> i was walking home from the train and i felt something hit me in the head and it got stuck in my hair and it was a clearly eaten piece of acorn and I looked up in the tree and I heard something chitter, but I didn't see it. So it just screamed rude and kept walking. <laughs> Squirrels are dicks, dude. I love them. They're so stupid. There's one. It's been slowly eating this, um, like, straw, like, wall hanging that my mother put up. Aww. And it just, just like, takes, like, a piece at a time and just eats. I mean, it has, like, a frame, so it's not like there's not going to be anything there when it's done. But this squirrel is such a dick about this because he's just like, <laughs> yeah. I, I love the squirrels are the dicks of the bird feeder world. Like, they're such dicks. <laughs> I'm like, look at you, you furry dicks. fucking bastards. I love it. But yeah, so today a squirrel threw a nut at me and I'm just like, yeah, 30s are doing pretty good. <laughs> it's fun. New experiences. Yeah, I've never had that happen before. Also, I came home and told Raven. And Raven was like, yeah, they're fucking dicks. That happened to me like so many times. <laughs> squirrels are evil. No, so I went to school at a rural campus. We had so many squirrels, and at one point, I think I was just walking my printer across the quad or something because it needed to be fixed. So I was just carrying my printer, and there were like like a dozen squirrels behind me for no apparent reason. <laughs> like I thought I was gonna get mugged <laughs> by squirrels. Oh, I love it. Nature is beautiful and terrifying. <laughs> yes, both of those things, and often hilarious. But that's an excellent transition. All right, so that takes us to Google it, which is. Google. A quick section where we just tell you a new thing that we learned that we love. So nature is terrifying, even the stuff that you think is great. So did you guys know that butterflies will eat carrion? What? <laughs> so, you know, nature's Lisa Frank Etch-a-Sketch, um, which is a thing I just made up and wow. Uh, That's amazing. <laughs> butterflies, when they can find carrion, aka dead other animals, will land on it and eat it. They also eat poop, and I also found out, and this is, I don't, mm, you know what? I'm not going to go there, because butterflies can also be really mean to each other, like. Yes. Yeah, like cannibalizing each other and some other stuff, so like. And some less than consensual reproduction. Yeah. But that's fairly common in the animal world, but you're also like, but butterflies. I know, and our podcast is called Ooh Butterfly, because when we have conversations, we are easily distracted by how pretty they are, because a lot of time we talk when we're outside, and in the summertime, butterflies fly past, and both of us are like, yeah, so I'm mad about this, and politics suck, and oh my god, a butterfly just... Butterfly, ate. wow. Which is... It's so magical. <laughs> which is why our podcast is named this way, but also, guys, did you know, butterflies are fucking metal. Look it up. They are. They get drunk. They fight. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. They drink your tears. Yep. What's more metal than drinking people's tears? Drinking people's sweat, because that's also <laughs> gross and a thing that they do. <laughs> so 
things. Um, but yeah, apparently butterflies are evil and <laughs> everything you thought was good and peaceful in the world is not true. Yep. Okay. Uh, I think if we're going to do show notes, I'm going to try my best to put the link that I was reading about butterflies in it, which is literally called Butterflies Behaving Badly, which... <laughs> Yes. It's pretty great. It's in National Geographic, but honestly, just Google weird butterfly facts and you will find some some things you probably didn't want to know, but now you're going to know it. Also, you should tell us and our Twitter handles will also be in the show notes. Yes, because you can add us with weird butterfly facts if you want. Just know that I may not answer all of them. I probably will, but you might not like my responses. That is also fair because we're mostly nice on Twitter until we're really not. (laughs) Until we're really not. If you tell me something gross, I'm going to tell you that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But butterflies, who knew they should be on metal albums covers? Now you do. God, yeah. Like, it shouldn't be like, you know, naked flaming skulls or whatever. It should definitely be butterflies. Just like eating a puddle of blood next to a corpse. Yes. Every picture you've ever seen with butterflies like around crocodiles, they're eating like their tears or their blood or something. Like, yeah. That's why they're besties. Yeah. Or like when you see butterflies on like, say, water buffalo or whatever, like big animals, they drink in that sweat. They're like, yeah, give them good salty juice. (laughs) (laughs) Apparently they get amino acids and electrolytes and things that they can't get from nectar. I mean, yes, yes. evolution has given them a reason to be metal but they're still metal as fuck <laughs> yeah the the pupa stuff is gross it's just gross it's upsetting like that i might even be like hey trigger warning when they start talking about pupa stuff maybe stop you just skip the couple paragraphs down yeah. maybe if, if that's if that is not your jam trigger warning on that one because whoa gross yeah be as ever be careful and mindful and take good care of yourselves we do not want to actually upset anyone Hey, not that way. That's like the perfect way to end the podcast. We we're having a good Aww. time and we hope you are too. Yay. Yeah. Thanks for joining us. Yeah, thanks everybody. Be kind to each other. Oh fuck. I think that's what Jerry Springer says. Fuck. Oh dang it. No. I can't say that. Well, I mean, don't be someone who needs to eat a million dicks. I can say that. <laughs> Is that your catchphrase? I think so. That's like my life advice. Just don't be someone that I would tell to eat a million dicks. Yeah. Yeah. Don't don't be the million dick person. Yeah. Butterfly is a podcast created and edited by Julia Pat and Kelly Clark. Our music is Cheery Monday by Kevin McLeod, and you can find more of his work on IncompeteTech.com. Ooh, a Butterfly is part of the Adjective Sphinx Network. We're on Twitter at Adjective Sphinx, or you can email us at Adjective Sphinx, all one word, at gmail.com. If you like the podcast, feel free to rate us on iTunes. Thanks. See you next time.